have y'all on here. We're a little nervous coming up against you two. But uh, so we get compared to the Bash Brothers every now and then. Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. What dynamic duo do y'all get compared to? They're leading the way over at Dixon Schwabble. I mean, I want to like, I feel like I'm just running through the tunnel at an NBA game. All right, Kim, you ready? Ready. All right, Jess, you ready? Jessica, you ready? Yes. I All love, right. Love it. Timeout. Tyler, who are we taking a timeout with today? Well, thank you very much, Kevin. We're taking a full timeout with Kim Allen and Jessica Savage, the dynamic duo, president and CEO of Dixon Schwabble. Good to have y'all on here. We're a little nervous coming up against you two. But uh, so we get compared to the Bash Brothers every now and then, Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. What dynamic duo do y'all get compared to? They're leading the way over at Dixon Schwabble. I mean, I want to, like, I feel like I'm just running through the tunnel at an NBA game. Yes! <laughs> we were. What just happened? amazing. So who are we then? Like Jordan Pippen? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Is that who you guys get commonly confused That's with? funny. I was thinking Thelma and Louise, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thelma and have, Louise. We have heard that before. That's a good one, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, obviously Jessica's driving today, but um, when you guys are riding in a car together, getting ready for maybe a big discussion with a new client, you're like, how are we going to kick off this project? What commercial do you guys talk about as your favorite commercials of all time? Hmm. I, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind wasn't a commercial. It's that the two of us have music on loud and we're usually like dancing or singing to some Bon Jovi or 80s hit because when there is a Dixon Schwabble party, our holiday parties, namely, the microphone is always in our hands and okay. we are singing. All and right. doing, it's not even karaoke, the microphone's hot, but my husband tells me, did you notice the DJ turns it down? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you grab it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a singing voice. So I don't know that I have a commercial, nothing popped to my mind commercial-wise, but we definitely are listening to music. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, besides the 80 music then, and you guys are uh, talking to the whole team and announcing the next year's goals in 2022. Um, what's your first karaoke song that you two are doing a duet to? So it's not a duet, but it's the song that I'm playing over and over. And I know Kim would sing it with me and dance with me, Dancing in the Moonlight. Ooh. So it's from like, you know, Yacht Rock Radio right now, because it's the summertime, though it feels like October. But we're, uh, you know, we're at Kim's house in her pool patio area. And that song comes on and we're going to show our moves. <laughs> and we're going to get everybody out there together with us because while it's fun to dance alone, it's way more fun to dance with the team. So we're getting everybody involved. How many weddings do you guys get invited to? Because it sounds like the dance floor is electric if you're on the wedding <laughs> list. I mean, there have been some weddings. I mean, we definitely still believe that we are 22 mm -hmm. and we are owning it. <laughs> so you will never let go of that. You'll never let go of that. Yeah, I was wanting to know, how competitive are y'all? It looks like y'all have been in the same business for around 20 years. And Jessica, we saw that you won the Employee of the Year in 2004. Was, yes, is that any beef over there with you and Kim? <laughs> you know, that's so funny. That was, um, that was a really interesting moment. We've, we've tried and tested 
all kinds of unique ways to foster our culture. And I remember that Employee of the Year Award very vividly because at the time, the art director who was working with us, his name is Tim Coyne, and he's now an independent art director. He found the most magnificently weird clay fish piece of pottery. And that was the, that was the emblem for the award. And I had totally forgotten this. Yes. And, um, I'll tell you something really significant. It's very personal, but it's very significant. At the time, uh, my husband and I were starting to uh, want to have our family, and it, we had a difficult time, as many couples do. And there was a financial award that, uh, that came along with that, and that allowed us the means to pursue this, this um, like fertility stuff. And ultimately, we wound up having two children but I remember that being so meaningful because it made me feel like I had the support of an entire team behind me on this really big important thing in my life. We evolved that employee of the year to what we um, refer to now as our Jazz Janie Award and the Jazz Janie Award represents uh, a team member we lost to ovarian cancer over 10 years ago now I think we're on we're on going on our 12th year of Jane's um, departure, but Jane was just this amazing woman and her line would say, help me help you. And she was just a giving soul. So we use all of these characteristics of Jane that, that amplify who we are as a company and culture and our core values. And we celebrate our jazz Janie. So once a month, we are recognizing some pretty incredible uh, team members. So the evolution of that, but really meaningful. I forgot all about it. I did too. And you know, as you're talking, I'm like, I think that was the year we did superlatives and I won most likely to be scrounging for food in the kitchen. So yes, <laughs> there you go. That's, that's the dynamic that between changed. Jess and I. She's employee of the year and I'm over here eating a garbage plate. So. Yes. <laughs> I'm just a girl so, trying to get yeah. by. We love, we love food. So what are your two, uh, uh, Jessica, we'll start with you. What's your favorite restaurant and what meal are you getting at that, that restaurant in Rochester? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Favorite. Well, I'll say that our region has an amazing array of restaurants and that the overall food scene here should be celebrated. And I, I don't have a favorite, but I will tell you that we had the most incredible experience just uh, about two weeks ago when we welcomed clients from out of town to join us. And it has been such a long time because of the pandemic. And we gathered at Good Luck. One of our colleagues, his wife is the, uh, she's got a big title. What is it? The, the food and beverage director for all of the um, group restaurants within. Yeah, so, so Melissa McCoy, amazing. You guys hang out. <laughs> yeah, so Melissa made it so special for us and the food was as always exquisite. And because you're sharing family style and it was post pandemic, just incredibly meaningful. Kim, Kim was there as well. So I'm gonna say good luck because I'll never forget that night moving through the pandemic. What about you, Kim? I mean, I don't have a favorite restaurant. I have favorite cuisine and uh, Jess will attest to this. I am a Friday fish fry girl. Oh, all right. What's of, the best? We, well, I mean, my wife I wish and I, I could during tell Lent, you. I we wish always I get in this you. argument. I, if you know what the best is, you tell me. I have some good ones. The rest I like Davies. Is, you got to come to the West oh Side. Oh, my now. God. Yeah. You got to come from the West. I'm from the West Side. Oh! 
I am the West Side. Oh. <laughs> I used I grew up a dancer and Davy Seafood was right next to my studio, that little plaza. Yeah. That's where I get studio. my haircut in that same oh. plaza. Yeah. Well, it used to be a dance studio. And so we would scoot over there and get fish fries if I danced on Fridays. I usually didn't, but Davy Seafood is the best. I hear Jim Seafood uh, off of Winton is really That's good. good one. That. But Mickey Finn's, I'm out in Victor. Okay. So if I'm gonna get one on Friday during lunch hour, it means I'm probably working or I have a short work hour so I jump up there and they're very good but I think they're closing. Thirsty Turtle also down the street in Victor. Another very good, good fish fry. I like the beer battered with the puff. I don't want it my batter touching the fish. I want it crunching. <laughs> you're you're catching that vinegar with it. <laughs> you're catching that chefs in Rochester? Please get the girls some batter batters. <laughs> and no puffs. No puffs. No, no puffs. And then a Nick Tahoe, a Nick Tahoe's garbage plate. I, mean, I used to go to Lyle Ave, Nick Tahoe's because I'm West Side again. Yep. That's yep. how every night ended my teenage years. <laughs> you know, you know, you guys asked a question, what are we, you know, what's our favorite commercial that we're thinking about leading into a pitch? When we're together, we're actually planning, like, where are we going to eat? Are we going to yeah. eat before or after this meeting? <laughs> yeah. And that's more, that's more the basis of the pre-plan. So. <laughs> well, that's so inspiring. That's so inspiring. It's nice to know that you guys are so confident with each other and have really built a relationship. And I know Jessica, you've been there for nine, uh, coming up on 19 years. And uh, Kim, you've been there for now coming up on 20. We did you had one together. year more on experience. So, and you guys are very unique, right? And, uh, one is the CEO and one is the president. Um, was it the extra year, Kim, that got you the nudge? <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, well, I don't seriously know. though, how do you guys, how do you maintain that relationship? Cause it looks like uh, to us, it's, it's almost like a friendship like Tyler and I have. It's exactly what it is. There isn't any hierarchy. Um, we're the same, we're at the same level. We challenge, we, uh, solve the same problems, address the same challenges. We call each other the yin to the yang. Jess has a very um, type A, organized, detail-oriented, methodical personality. I have a let's fly by the seat of my pants, see where the moment takes us, um, you know, where are we heading from here kind of personality. So we, we balance each other out really well. We always have. We're very straight with each other. We're, we're work wives. Yeah. <laughs> we know the insides and outs of one another. I know exactly how she's going to react to something and she knows how I'm going to react and we call each other out on our bad stuff you can and we swear. celebrate the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know we're recording now. I'm trying to hold my tongue. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's the PR piece coming in. I, for, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica, what, how, do you, how do you see the relationship from your side? Uh, I would mirror everything that Kim said. Our work styles and our strengths, I think through our mentors, Mike and Lauren, they also recognized where each of us had a, a role to play within the entire kind of group context of our managing partner team. And I think they helped guide us just through their mentorship to where we could contribute. And Kim's right, I am type A and organized in details and operations and really the function of the president role is there. And Kim is able to see you know, through the detail and the big picture and vision and lead strategy for the company. So we are supporting those critical uh, dynamics to help this business move forward. And, and, you know, Mike and Lauren helped us chart that path. So mm -hmm. it fits, we fit. We finish each other's sentences too. So that might happen. We're trying to be polite, <laughs> give yeah. each other the space to talk. Nice like usually we're like, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, what year did y'all look at each other and say, we're going to take this thing by the horns and one of us is going to be CEO. One of us is going to be president. Was that conversation ever come up? 
no years ago this will sound this will sound terrible but i don't think either of us were that ambitious we don't focus um you asked about competition and competitiveness earlier it's never been about that for jess and i we've been in service to this organization and to its people 100 percent of the time so mm -hmm. before we had people to lead in our roles we were in service to the people who were leading us and our clients and what did they need from us and what were we supposed to bring to the table we had very similar upbringings very blue collar true blue practical sort of grind it out what can i do for you service oriented upbringings and that's what we brought to the table and then when it flipped and we had to leave people lead people it's always been about what are we bringing to them and how can we make this better and so it wasn't ever about a brass ring mm -hmm. it was about incremental um steps forward to make things better I love wow. that. I love that. So, from your leadership style, and you mentioned uh, the two previous uh, uh, partners there at uh, Dixon Schwabel, who other mentors do you two look up to? Do you guys have one or two that come to mind? You can't say each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kim started to allude to it, family. So I look at my mom, the hardest working woman I've ever known in my life. The year that I graduated high school, my mom graduated with her bachelor's. She's a nurse, so she achieved her RN status. And my sister graduated from her first two years of community college. So I think, holy cow, this is a woman who was working a full-time job, raising two girls, um, you know, being a wife, having a household. So I learned that from my mother. And she's still, the, you know, that sort of, you, you sort of get your values from home. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd say my mom. Kim, what about you? Same, that's the first place I was gonna go. I lost my mom, it'll be two years ago in August, really unexpectedly, uh -huh. but um, you know, the, the kind of things you learn from the, um, the mat matriarchs in your family, your grandmas and your mom, that's where it starts, mm -hmm. uh, especially as a woman um, growing up and through the era that Jess and I have grown up and through is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, because I think when I look at what my grandmas were, which one was, uh, they were both similarly aged, one was a little bit older, but my um, grandmother on my dad's side grew up in a very patriarchal sort of household, but she found her voice in it. And then my grandma on my mom's side, uh, my grandpa passed when I was six. So I never kind of saw that dynamic in her, mm -hmm. but she was that woman who was teaching me about what it meant to hold it down and what it meant to care for the littler people in your life and then along comes my mom who my parents had their own business it was a restaurant business nobody's surprised i talk about eating all the time <laughs> and she was the the person who ran that business while my dad was the the hype man you know so learning from her about or she was the jess and maybe that's this interesting dynamic i never picked up on before but she had a lot of similar qualities to jessica that i just described so um that's it's kind of cool yeah. Well, mom, I love you if you're listening, because uh, my mother's <laughs> also out there and uh, I, I feel the exact same way. I think it's uh, having those those fundamental building blocks. I, I Tyler and I jokingly say if everybody could go back to what they learned in kindergarten, I think this place would be a, this world would be a lot better place. And some of those principles are the, 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 the nurture um, of, of growing up in that opportunity. Um, one of the things Jess that we saw about you um, and, and Kim, you're probably doing the same, but you are two females that kind of came up in an industry that was probably pretty male dominated at one point in time. Um, and you mentioned how your mom told you, Kim, that you needed to hold it down um, and maybe find your voice. How are you guys making sure the next generation of females that are aspiring to maybe be in your two seats 
how are you inspiring them and what tips or advice are you giving them right now? I mean, we, yes, the industry is predominantly male. It always has been. I think the female representation in the marketing and advertising industry is 3%. Jess and I have not felt that at Dixon Schwabel. It has always been the polar opposite of that, where there, you know, it was female founded and led, where women, minority women owned business certified by the state of New York and the state of California. So our dynamic, I think, is right now it's at one point it was 85, wow. 15 female to male. Love We're probably that. closer to 60, 40 or 65, 35. Am I doing okay math? I think I'm adding up to 100. <laughs> <laughs> we're just um, rolling with it keep going yes, yes. <laughs> so that that um we've I, I was sat on a panel once about this a similar topic and it was hard for me to answer questions because our experience has been counter to what other women have experienced in this industry and we've been very very blessed to have a really powerful female mentor and leader in lauren dixon um, and lots of powerful, powerful females on our leadership team, Kelly Adamai, Maureen Kurtz, Nadine Cremo. Um, did I forget any leaders on that managing partner team, Jess? I don't think so, but. That's yeah. us. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that's us. And I was literally about to just ask you. Um, I've heard nothing but awesome, awesome things about Dixon Schwabel. And what I was wanting to ask you is how do your employees feel valued and how do you make sure that they're valued? Um, first, first and foremost, I think for someone to feel valued, they have to feel trusted and they have to feel that the other person in any relationship. So even is building a relationship with team members is critical to understanding one another, to building empowered teams with one another and to working through the hard stuff. So it comes down to our people building those relationships understanding push one another and being able to ask really important questions about what do you need to be removed out of your path that you can find your sort of traction so open really try to open up that that conversation with with team members and we also try to align everyone the company and that's where kim does i think an extraordinary job of being our organization's hype woman for the pursuit we're on well, and it's about celebrating the small stuff, you know, there, there's currency other than money um, and salary. And I think when you can coalesce people around that notion, um, because you have demonstrated that you respect and honor and care about the things that they're doing to contribute to the organization. So an email that thanks somebody for something that they did goes a really long way, calling them out in a all teams meeting about something that they did in their personal life even. It doesn't have to be work-related. It doesn't have to be about pulling this company forward. I think can make somebody feel terrific and valued. So it's it's celebrating the small stuff and the wins too that's really important that can be even more powerful currency than salary. I could not agree with yes. you more. I always say if you treat an employee like they're worth 200,000, that you never have to pay them anything close to $200,000 a year. And it's just yeah. that we wanna be, we wanna be listened to, we wanna be valued and we wanna be heard. Jessica, you mentioned trust. Um, PricewaterhouseCoopers the other day just said they, they totally revamped their entire business model to focus on developing a culture of trust um, as they found it to be the most fundamental building block of success for businesses in, in the fourth industrial revolution. 
How do you guys foster a trustworthy relationship? I know you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but how have you guys continued to foster that type of culture and that type of environment there at Dixon Schwabel? We really lean into our core values as an organization. Um, those core values are integrity, teamwork, community, um, integrity, teamwork, community, respect, fun, and innovation. I had to rattle, rattle them off. And we celebrate the behaviors of one another that demonstrate those core values and celebrate our team members in sort of alignment with our beliefs. And we're also fostering an incredibly transparent organization for Kim and I. And this was something that we built off of um, something that Mike and Lauren did when they were leading the organization. They would take each team member out to breakfast or coffee or lunch and have conversations, just, just open dialogue. So Kim and I, through the pandemic, we've been having one-on-one -on -one conversations primarily through Zoom, but um, we'll get back to in-person sooner than, than later, right? But having those one-on-one -on -one conversations and creating the psychological safety for people to share what's working really well and too far from, but you feel that we need to be informed about so that we can help affect change. And there is something we're asked really important, curious questions about, well, what do you think with sauce? How do you see this um, being adjusted? Because we do not have all the answers. In fact, we're making them up as we go. And we're very clear about that. And we're just leaning into the wisdom of each team member. So we're trying to create, you build trust through transparency and also fostering this sort of notion of courage. I have the courage to hear what you need to say um, and ask a lot of questions. And I'm, you know, begging you to have the courage to open up and, and we're doing that. We're, we're honing these skills within our, our, um, our leadership team and within every team member within the organization. So I think that's how you start to build trust. You also follow through, that's what I was you do say. what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And if you start to drop that, you, you have people hold you accountable. So that's the other thing. Cause you know, stuff gets in the way. But if you have a team of people to say, you didn't do this and you need to, and you got to show up differently because I'm holding you accountable, you asked me to. Mm -hmm. So a lot of give and take. Yeah. And Kim, what do you, how, how do you foster? You're the hype woman over there, but uh, how do you foster a trust, trustworthy? And, and one of the things I'll add to that, I heard you're an unbelievable listener. Yeah, I mean, I think listening is huge um, because that comes along with that follow through. I've heard you. I'm going to make a difference based on what you've told me you need, and I'm going to demonstrate that and follow through and close the loop with you. So I think that's key. But I also think you need to show up genuinely. Um, you know, we're very big on allowing people to bring their whole selves to work because work can be a place where you feel like you need to put a facade on, on for. Uh, yeah. you, you have to wear this costume. You have to behave this work person kind of way. It's called professionalism. Um, and I've just... I can be very professional, but I can also be who I am. And I've been told many times by people that my authenticity is what helps them um, feel comfortable when they're with me in a meeting. And I just think if, if you are who you are, without it, you know, unapologetically, um, and you have the confidence to show up the way that um, you, you believe you should show up, then I think that that builds a lot of trust too. So simple too. Yeah. just show up, do what you're going to say you're going to do commitment, you know, that word I can stand for a while, but uh, started to be my favorite word. <laughs> and um, 
I just kind of wanted to ask y'all, where do you guys see Dixon Schwabel in 10 years from now or what y'all's goals for it? I, we, we, our purpose is to provoke progress. So our goal is to always move forward and that can take a lot of different shapes and morph into and mean different things to different people. So of course you wanna move the business forward, meaning you want to grow it, but that growth has to come carefully and incrementally. We protect our culture with a with an intensity that's unlike any other because we, we stand for the people first and foremost. I was at a meet, uh, event last week and I was speaking with um, the head of HR from Wegmans and he said, Danny Wegmans often reminds him that they are an HR company who happens to sell groceries. Yeah. And I think that that is such a great way to put about what, put, put to words what we stand for, that we are here to keep people happy, satisfied and having fun at work and the rest will follow. So the future of Dixon Schwabel is to make sure that we stay true to those things while making this company what it can be and listening to our team and continuing to push the envelope and bring things to the table that's different than anybody else is doing it and think big and sort of take the chains off and anything's possible. Those are sort of foundational to how this company was built and that'll never go away. Oh, I can see why everyone loves y'all now. Yeah. You know, you're blowing us away. Yeah, and clear as day. We we at least both saw that both y'all got this uh, the workplace certificate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. What what was y'all's biggest takeaway from that certificate in that course? Um, it, it was a little bit before the course for me that the word diversity is more about inclusivity, and I learned this from Michael Bush, who's the CEO of the Great Place to work, which is an organization that certifies us as a great place to work, they're a global entity. And Jess and I attended a conference four years ago and he spoke and his message was, don't just look at the things that you think you're supposed to look at when the word diversity comes forward. It's not about gender, it's not about race, it's not necessarily about able-bodied or not. Um, it's about, are you bringing different perspectives to the table when something is being discussed, when something's being created and when something's being born? Um, and so that really struck me in this, this certificate training program through um, USF was a gift. Uh, we were made aware of it through the Public Relations Society of America who sent an e-blast out that this was a free program and just has led our diversity, equity and inclusion efforts at the agency, um, which we call IDEA. We added the word action at the end. So we scrambled the letters and added the word action so that we can be held accountable to what we say we're going to do. So it came at the right moment and we said, this is free. There's no reason why we shouldn't certify ourselves and see what we can learn. And they really brought that um, inclusivity message home. Um, one of the, it was a seven course, seven week program, once a week for seven weeks. And they focused one on neurodiversity. And I had never thought about neurodiversity before. So that's about people who think differently or who process information differently or maybe have some sort of um, uh, carry something that's different than others, whether it's a, a disability or a um, mental health situation, but that neurodiversity and understanding what somebody's bringing to the table when it comes to that and helping them through that and, and helping understand it and have common ground, I think is really important too. So that struck me. Hmm. Yeah, I would, I would echo what Tim has shared it um, collectively expanding our understanding of what diversity, equity, and inclusion really um, encapsulates and how our ability to move through the journey is based on our willingness and our open heart and open minds to 
build a broader worldview. And there are a million different ways that we can do that as an organization. And we can't be overwhelmed by all of the ways how, but we have to commit to, to trying things and building connections and, you know, establishing new relationships throughout our community and region to help open our minds up and learn. And um, that course was a great foundational course to understand the dimensions of understanding the IDEA um, journey. There's a lot of other compelling work happening within our, our community. Dr. Chanel Hawkins, who's uh, the president and CEO of Urban League of Greater Rochester is leading the um, groundwater training and then the bringing together what she's calling power brokers, uh, over a hundred leaders across our community to engage in the hard conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, race and equity in our region. And I think the biggest takeaway is keep talking and don't fear your personal experience and what you don't know, just be able to engage. And I, th I think that's, if we can encourage that across our community of team members and the sort of ripple of our community, whether we're serving on boards or at home or elsewhere, we will, we will achieve our mission which to make, um, be better humans Mm -hmm. to one another and as a result make our community stronger i love that well uh, uh she dr chanel uh commonly gets confused as queen supreme we uh, had her on the show a few weeks ago we found out that she gave up her stage name uh rapping days for uh this incredible work that she's doing today so that's yeah. awesome to hear that like two um unbelievable leaders in our area you guys have really picked up that baton and and, and, and put the action into it, which I think is so so fascinating and, and, and awesome to hear. A um, lot more work to be done on that front, but um, it's encouraging to hear that you guys are, are, are weaving that into the culture that you have there today and uh, really developing the plans necessary in order to execute that executive strategy. And I think bringing, building bridges is always a better way than building walls, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask, because you guys um, both worked your way up at Dixon Schwabel to, to be in the positions that you are. Um, you did the hard work, um, but what, nothing was handed to you. What were your first jobs and how did they prepare you for your roles today? I was a 11 year old bus girl at my dad's restaurant. So uh, I learned, it just obviously watching my parents, the restaurant industry is no joke. Um, people talk about it all the time. If you've experienced it, it is no joke. It is 17 hour days, seven days a week. I watched my dad do that and we were all in as a family. So everybody had to help and it was illegal for me to be working at 11 years old, but that's okay. We're past the statute of limitations on it. So I don't think anybody can get in trouble, <laughs> but, um, I can secret safe. So, <laughs> I have the story that Jess has heard me tell, um, where, you know, by the time I got to be 13, 14, and I wanted to go to that football game up at Gates Chiley High School, and my parents had me working Friday night fish fry dinners. Maybe that's where the love of fish fries came from. <laughs> and that table was still sitting there and eating and enjoying their moment together. And as a 13, 14 year old girl, I was egotistical and self centered and wasn't thinking about the reasons why they were there together. What I did is because my mother told me I couldn't leave until that table was finished with their meal and had paid was I got the vacuum out. 
and I started vacuuming around them to signal to them that it was time to go. And, um, you know, just that lesson about um, allowing people to have important moments, allowing um, for things to evolve over a meal and the message of service and what it means to be in service to others and what it means to provide excellent service that started at the restaurant level for me. Cool. Really cool. And Jessica, Jessica. how are you? Me too. I started out as a, yeah, me too. I started as a hostess at a um, Chinese restaurant in Northport, Long Island, where I'm from. It was called Walk on the Dock. Did you hear that? I'm, I feel like I'm freezing. No, nope. walk on the dock. Yeah. Okay, so walk I would, on the walk dock. On the dock walk, walk on the dock. Walk. And, um, I was a hostess, so I was like, so um, again, learning the service industry and being available and attending to every customer's needs and being able to have a conversation with strangers, which is my favorite thing about the restaurant business. I've evolved into being a, a um, you know, waitress. So you learn a lot about customer service and speed and attention to needs in that business. And it's more fun than you can imagine. I will, going back to the question you asked earlier about how do you show value? The first time that I experienced feeling valued as an employee was at that restaurant because at the Chinese New Year, the owners gave each of us a gift in celebration of the new year. And I had never before been working or been given a gift. I just understood work as a transactional experience to get a paycheck. And we were generously gifted. I think at the time we received $50. So 20 years ago, that was like, holy smokes. <laughs> By the way, it was more, okay. It was like more than like 30 years ago. But like really amazing. And um, so, I, you know, Kim and I have a lot of shared experiences in our upbringing in the way we started working together, not working together, but working. And we were hustling since Kim was 11 and I was 14. And work has been a really important part of our lives, but part of our lives. So trying to, you know, create and master balance with things that you love. You can love work and love your family and love to play with your friends and try to weave together how you get all done. So if we're working on anything, it's probably that and helping to be good role models for everyone in our company. <laughs> you touched on a really, and maybe a segue is um, kind of that servant leadership. Um, how would you guys describe your leadership styles, each of you in one word? Two words, but in service, you just, you just did that. I, I am um, being a public relations um, professional. It's not about being in front of the camera. It's about being behind the camera and helping to guide and steer and remove obstacles and, and deliver what needs to be delivered outward, as opposed to being the person who is absorbing and taking and, you know, saying it has to be a certain way. Um, we are here to help people find their path. We're here to help clients unlock new possibilities for their organizations and to their business. Um, we are here to provoke progress, like we've said before. It's about moving things forward. I love that. 
And Jessica, what, uh, how would you summarize your leadership um, in a few words? Uh, I would add to Kim's and I would say that um, three words, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can. And I think, you know, that's, that's the, the spirit of it is uh, our most important job is to help our, our team members and our colleagues rise. Everybody, you know, we will be the first one to open the door and like make sure it's safe, deal with the fire, but we're, and we'll lead you through the fire, but the, the stage is yours. And we need our, we need our, our people to feel and experience the growth of confidence because yes, they can. Mm -hmm. And if we're doing a good job, we're giving them that space to do that. And if we're not doing a good job, we've given them the courage to say, can you back off? Cause I've got this, you told me I've got this. So that's the, there's the space and tension between that, right? Cause they're the things that we can do really well cause we've spent 20 years doing them, but we've got to back step back and let others demonstrate their um, incredible abilities. So that's what we do. I would run through a brick wall or a fire for you too. Yes. Cause that is so inspiring. God. What, what advice would you give Kevin and I to rise and evolve? <laughs> Holy smokes, you're doing it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> are we? Are we? Sure? I don't it know. Feels like it. it sure feels like it. I feel like you guys would be two of the most fun people to work for. Yeah, one day. We're, we're aspiring leaders, but uh, it's having conversations with two great people like yourself where you get to learn this stuff. I used to be a bartender. I used to be a, a waiter myself. I think sometimes there's something to be said when you work um, for someone else and you've been in that role and that servant role, it kind of changes your lens and your perception of, of things. Um, and, and obviously it's no, no guessing game with you two that you really put the focus first on the employee because you understand you take care of the employee, they're going to take care of the business and the profits thereafter. Mm -hmm. But you have to create that safe environment where they feel comfortable. Because you two have now created this, this environment and picked up and filled in some, some big shoes, who are the first people that you called when one accepted the president role and one accepted the CEO role? Do you guys remember that day? I mean, I definitely, Jess was one of the first people I talked to. And <laughs> probably right after I, I spoke we with like, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think i said i'm not doing it if you're not doing it oh wow dude wow it's really jordan and pippin over there that's all that's we right. need to know. I think it's jordan and jordan over I know. there kevin it's hard, to, it's hard to pick i don't know see you later pippin yeah uh, don't do that to us that's a lot of pressure <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest challenge that each of you faced when stepping into those roles and stepping into such big shoes to fill <laughs> the pandemic yeah yeah we'll throw that thing in there <laughs> yeah I mean really truly um we we were told of the positions five years before they happened we rolled it out to the organization two years before it actually happened and then the plan was to announce it publicly January the first week in January of 2020 and then actually assume the roles at the end of 2020 so the transition had 12 months to take shape well, three months into that, like this, this major earthquake happened in our society. And 
that was the biggest challenge. <laughs> you know, how do the, the four of us, the, the 12 of us, which is the leadership team, put our arms around this, get in the, in the ship and steer it forward, right? Mm -hmm. and, and think about all those folks that are riding with us and how do we keep them safe? And how do we keep them comfortable? And how do we make sure that, you know, nobody falls off? Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that's the, the biggest challenge that we faced taking this over. Yeah, just a tiny little challenge there. <laughs> <laughs> and Jessica, how about you for yourself? I will add that Kim and I also had very big shoes to fill. Um, Mike and Lauren are beloved in our organization. We heard, how will you make sure that our culture carries on? And so we had to build trust in our team members that all the things that they've come to love about working at Dixon Trouble would stay the course, but, but also create our own uh, pathways through the evolution of our culture in this company and, and building upon that. And it's a family business. And how do we continue to uh, ensure the, the, the unity of our team and through this major change and, and help Mike and Lauren feel confident every day that they could take those steps back from this business that they worked, that family worked their collective family butts off of to build it to be this organization that we all benefit from working at. You know, so um, like, whoa, <laughs> and then do it in pandemic. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about whiplash. So, Jeez. Yeah, you're really excited and then bang, it was a pandemic yeah. that hasn't been seen since the 20s. Yeah, perfect. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the other um, discussions that I, I wanted to make sure that we touched on, how have you guys seen from a PR perspective, from a marketing perspective, what have you seen shift because of the pandemic, both now what you were seeing pre-pandemic, but now what we're seeing post-pandemic? What are you guys seeing on your side? Um, yeah, it's, it's more of an internal thing than it is an external thing, but people work differently. And that has an impact on everything you do and the ways that you communicate externally. So helping our um, clients navigate what that means for their particular stakeholder or customer base in order to reach them. Um, you know, think about your own workplace and you probably had a phone system. Maybe you don't have a phone system anymore because of the pandemic. So if you're a company that sells phone systems, what does that mean for you? And how, is, how are you adapting and how are you going to progress and move forward? And what's next? You guys have read the same articles that we have that certain things that were expected to happen in three to four years happened in eight months from a um, customer perspective and the way that they're managing themselves online and how their they're purchasing habits and the things that they're doing to look for the things that they want and to purchase the things that they need completely flipped on its ear. And to help clients get their arms around that and devise systems and protocols um, and, and their marketing programs to address that was what we were charged with. Cool. That's fascinating. And Jessica, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? As, um... I'll just kind of take it from the internal perspective and something that we continue to keep very top of minds is that we cannot underestimate the trauma 
that each of our team members have experienced through the past 18 months and will continue as we reacclimate to being together more, uh, find our way through a school year and it's, it's significant. And we have to have grace and understanding for one another um, to be able to help and support. We have a lot to mentally process through and it will take time. So everyone, right? So we keep that in mind. That's, I, I think, celebrating the mental health crisis that we're starting to see in ourselves. And we're starting to hear terms like PTSD from, from the pandemic that we all went through. I mean, it's, it's, nobody likes change to begin with. And when you change everything so quickly, it's, it, it makes it all relatively like it, the sky is falling and you don't really know what tomorrow's going to bring. And a lot of tough decisions had to be made. Um, well, first, I, I, know, I know we're kind of coming to the end here. Um, thank you both for sharing kind of your exquisite leadership um, traits with us and, and kind of sharing your experiences with us um, because I think it's vitally important. Um, but uh, I know Kim just had to drop. I believe she's picking her daughter up from, from school. But Jessica, we have a fun section of this program where we get to ask you some interview questions, the stereotypical interview questions. Tyler, what's your first interview question? Well, Jessica, thanks for applying at Time Out with Leaders today. Um, my first question for you is, what attracted you to apply at Time Out with Leaders? <laughs> well, Tyler and Kevin, I have heard about how much fun it would be to learn about you both and understand what it would be like to work at your company and for me to imagine how I can contribute. And I just couldn't wait for the opportunity to sit down with you both and get some answers to my questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that response. Hired. 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 It's all going to come down to this though. <laughs> all right. So I never understood this, but what is your deepest fear, Jessica? And why is it your deepest fear? My deepest fear. Um, that is a really good question. Gosh, I'm actually like feeling feelings about this question. My biggest letting you down. Yeah, well, never let us down. And I don't think you could if yes. even if you wanted to. But um, Jessica, I, I know Kim had to leave us. But as we're closing out, I'm actually I here. Oh, you oh, are here. Yes, yes, you're on the phone. I'm sorry. Who better questions? Yeah. Well, now it's your turn since we have the opportunity to interview you, Miss Kim. Uh, what um, is your favorite animal? And if you could be any animal, why would you be that particular animal? Okay, so I've been asked this question before. So it's a little bit of a cheat, but. I've always said that I was what a, a breed of herding dogs. So that the animal that is in the background amongst a group of other living beings whose intention is to guide them and point them in the right direction and make sure that they are able to have what they need to get their jobs done. I hate to ask this, I can't see in person. Did you have that response written down by chance? <laughs> no, I, I've been asked it before. I've been asked it before. <laughs> and finally, that we're going to so close true. it out with, have you I heard that one that, before, Kim. Jessica? So it wasn't the first time you heard it? I have not heard Kim answer that question, but I would say, yes, spot on. <laughs> yes. yes. 
and in my mind i'm like oh my gosh she's a sheep a sheepdog herding herding her sheep and growing up we had one called buttons so now i might have to say all right buttons <laughs> <laughs> we're just connecting some dots who uh uh intertwined individuals and working wives as you guys put it uh, together the last thing i just wanted to say then to, uh, to close out is uh jessica and Kim, thank you so much for, for giving us a shot to Tyler's point and allowing us this opportunity to, to learn from you two today. Um, I know our audience is going to gratefully um, enjoy this opportunity to listen to two women that worked their way up in a company in a very male-dominated industry and really understanding those waters, how to navigate them, or you guys, as you put it, um, buttons. Uh, sometimes it can feel like hurting, hurting sheep, um, but really celebrating the uniqueness and creativity of your workforce. I think it's just something that we all can learn from. So I, I greatly appreciate that. And neurodiversity. I wrote that down about seven times. <laughs> Thank y'all for that. Neurodiversity. <laughs> Register. Boom. It has well, absolutely been our pleasure. This was one of the most fun conversations I've ever had. It's <laughs> been awesome to meet you guys and get to know you i know jessica would say the same thing just thank you for giving us the space to meet two new people and share some some common ground thank you for that absolutely yes. it's our pleasure yeah thank you, you two are good energy and thank you for doing what you're doing in our community and i hope the podcast begins to uh, you know expand Hey, well, with Dixon Schwabel, now our PR representatives, there's no telling what heights we can reach. Right, Kim? Did we just get hired? Are we hired? Yeah, yeah, we hired you. And, uh, <laughs> Here we go. You're hired to time out with leaders after that great interview that she just gave us. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, you two. Thanks again so much. And everybody tune back in next week uh, for uh, next Casual Friday for another episode of Time Out with Leaders. Thank you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.